You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Hello, everyone. What a great privilege and an honor to be with you all today. Thank you, Pastor Bert, for inviting me. And thanks, Pastor Bert and Sheila, for your leadership in Every Nation Canada. And whenever I see what you, Sheila, Richard, and Chantel, and Aaron, and your whole team are doing there in GTA, it is so encouraging and inspiring for us back here in Winnipeg. So thank you. For those of you who uh, don't know me, my name is Prime. I serve as the lead pastor in one of our Every Nation churches here in Winnipeg. And this is my family. My wife and I moved to Canada in 2011, and since then we have been blessed with two great kids, Caleb and Noah, and we hope to be able to visit and meet you all in person someday. But for today, our text is found in Psalm chapter 3, so if you can please open your Bibles and bookmark them to that part of the scriptures we will read together in a few minutes. Now I pray that you are all doing well and going strong in your faith and in your relationship with the Lord. Doing well has now a new meaning for all of us nowadays uh, with the pandemic because we are all affected. It means doing well given the times, doing well given the situation. It has been a roller coaster ride for all of us with cases going up and then going down and then going up again restrictions coming and going and our hopes also together with all of that going up and down with the encouraging reports of the vaccine we also hear about the growing concern about the variants now i thought that they have contained all the variants in the tva if you're watching loki you know what i'm talking about but apparently not now that's a joke and people only people watching Loki probably will get that. Um, now there's a term going back to a serious note that psychologists use to describe the apathy brought about by this long and ongoing pandemic and the term is languishing. It means that one might not have the symptoms of mental illness or depression, but that person is also not the picture of great mental health either. Not functioning at full capacity, Languishing can dull our motivation, it disrupts our ability to focus, and it triples the odds that we can cut back on our work and on our productivity. Now, talking about languishing and also this long and ongoing pandemic, there is a psalm that seems to express the feeling brought about by such a situation, and that is in Psalm chapter 13. In verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. This is David singing or expressing himself. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long? David asked, how long will these restrictions come and go? How long before we can all just go out and forget about the mask? Now, we do not know the exact event that caused David to write this song, but at least one fourth century theologian said that David might have written this song, this song when he was fleeing from his son, Absalom. Now, there is one more psalm 
or song that we can be sure that David wrote when he was actually fleeing for his life from the hands of his son Absalom. And that is found in Psalm chapter 13. And that is the part of the scriptures where I ask everyone to go earlier. And this psalm paints a picture of a person who was trying to exercise faith while going through a very dark reality. What can we learn from Psalm chapter 3 in living by faith, in flexing our faith, when reality isn't that good? What can we learn from Psalm chapter 3 in having bold faith in the midst of an intimidating or tiring situation? So if you can, I don't know where you are right now uh, watching this live stream, but normally we ask people to stand as we read the Word of God, we read the Word, uh, we stand to honor the Word of God. So let's uh, allow me to read with you Psalm chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And this is what it says. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I, I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke up again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this time that we have as a community of Jesus followers to gather together to feast, to eat, to be nourished by your word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would lead us into your truth again today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can now all take your seats. The Bible puts the description of this psalm as a psalm of David when he fled from his from Absalom, his son. You can go to 2 Samuel chapter 15 to see the whole story. Absalom was out to kill his dad out of bitterness and anger. And somehow in the midst of all this rush to flee, David found time to reflect and write this song to God. What an amazing reaction. David's automatic reflex, even at the most distressing time, even in the midst of a panic, is to go to God and to sing to God, to express his feelings to God. He was not too busy trying to solve his problem. He was not too busy to forget his time of devotion, to skip his quiet time. He took the time. He made the time. He found the time. No wonder why he was called the man after God's own heart. And this song that he wrote and sang to God seems to have this certain a kind of progression through it, a crescendo. Uh, that's what probably what they would call it in, in a musical term. It's amazing when we observe how it started and compare that to how it ended. Now we will take a look at that, and not only that, but not only at how it started and ended, but also at what happened in between as we navigate through the question of how do we live by faith when reality is not good, when reality is bad, 
how can we have bold faith? Let's start with verse 1. It says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. David started by recognizing the situation. So the first point is recognition. He, he did recognize the situation in a very honest way. He did not sugarcoat it. He said it for what it is. Lord, oh, I have many people who are against me, many people who seek my life, and they could possibly win. Many are rising against me. David saw and recognized the situation for what it is. To have faith does not mean that we turn a blind eye on the situation. To have faith does not mean that we twist reality to conform to how we want things to be. To have bold faith means we face reality, but we face it with hope and trust in God. To have bold faith does not mean that we say there's no pandemic, that I can do away with my mask. To have bold faith does not mean that we ignore the advice of the doctor and not take our meds and continue eating what's not good for us and continue to live in a healthy lifestyle. To have bold faith does not mean that you ignore your financial status and just keep on spending irresponsibly, believing that God will provide anyways. All of that's not bold faith. All of that is just daydreaming. To have bold faith means to look reality in the eye. It means facing reality for what it is, no matter how bad it looks like, and then opening yourself up to allow God to lead you in the right direction. In the first place, bold faith is especially important and most specially expressed expressed most desiredly when we are faced with a bad situation. What situation in your life right now that you need to stop sugarcoating, that you need to face head on? What area do you need to come face to face with? Remember, nothing ever intimidates God. We can bring to God any situation, no matter how bad it is. And bold faith starts with a realistic take on the situation. Bold faith is not denying the facts. Now, in the next portion of the psalm, we see people's opinions. The first is recognition. The second one is opinions. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Now, this is something we could never escape from. People's commentary are part of our lives. Now, I'm not saying that we can or should do the same. I lean more towards keeping our own opinions to ourselves unless or until we are asked. And even then, we have to be mindful when giving our own opinions. But every day we are flooded with voices around us trying to influence the way we think and behave. We have social media, we have the news, there are countless ads uh, out there. And then there are also people, some who, are, who have good intentions and some who think they have good intentions but actually do more harm than good. There are good advices, there are bad advices. There are good opinions and commentaries, and there are also bad ones. But at the end of the day, after all the good and the bad opinions, it's still up 
to us. Just because many people are saying this or that, just because many people are doing this or that, doesn't mean that you have to say or believe or do the same things. David said, many are saying, but he did not stop there. David did his own reflection. From an honest recognition of the facts, from an honest recognition of reality, to hearing the opinions of many, he also did his own reflection. Verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. It's kind of like David saying, yes, I recognize that this is my situation. And yes, I heard them say all this. But he said also, but you, O Lord. But as for me, this is what I know. Yes, I'm in a bad situation. And yes, many people are predicting bad things about me. Yes, my own son wants to kill me. But as for me, this is what I know. I have a God as my shield, and He protects me. As much as David knew and recognized the reality that the odds are against him, he said, but you, O Lord. He focused on God. He put God at the center of the situation. He put God at the center of his vision. So that he now sees everything against the backdrop of a great, against the backdrop of a greater reality. He has a good, loving, mighty God who is his shield, his glory, and his defender. He did not allow the voices around him to drown the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of him. Now, I don't know what you're going through, but what are the voices around you? What are the voices that seems that seem to drown the voice of God in your life? There could be a lot of things, but in the end, it's the voice or the voices that we entertain that will influence us the most. This is why David arrested the flow of thought right away and declared, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. David reflected on the truth about God. Yes, many people are saying this is what they're saying, but you, O oh Lord, he arrested that right away with the truth about God. So as for my encouragement for all of us today, reflect on the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Chew on the Word of God. Feed on the Word of God. Moving on. After recognition and the opinions and his reflection, there's now what I see, I think, is recollection. Verses 4 and 5 this is what he said, actually, to verse 6. I lay down and slept. I woke again, and for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid for many thousands of people, of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. I say recollection because I think at this point, David is drawing from previous experiences of God's faithfulness. He said, I cried, I slept. What other things? Um, uh, the Lord sustained me all in past tense. Maybe David was recalling past times when he saw God intervened on his behalf. After all, this is not the first time that David was running for his life. So, 
was once after his life too, wanting to get rid of him. So if you have those in your life as well, previous experiences where you saw God move mightily on your behalf, always recall those to mind. Thank God for them and use those past experiences to face present challenges to help you be reminded that our God, He does not change. He did it before. He will do it again. Verse 4 said, I cried out to the Lord, and He answered me from His holy hill. Sometimes we have a tendency to think that God does not care, that we, we have a tendency to be deceived by the enemy, that we are not worthy to come to God, especially when you have sin, that we are sinners and God is holy. But David said, God answered me from his holy hill. God is not bothered by our pleas. Yes, God is holy. But He makes Himself accessible to us, especially when we come to Him humbly. And then verse 5, He continued on and saying, I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. Now imagine if your son or someone is running after you and wants to kill you. When there is danger, the last thing that you probably might want to do is to go to sleep. Probably, you know, you might sleep might not even uh, be the a good idea for you. You want to stay up and be ready to act for whatever danger that might be around you. Sleep, because sleeping is our most vulnerable situation. When you're sleeping, you are defenseless. You are unaware. You might be exposed. But for David, he laid down and slept because he knew that God will never leave him. I laid down and slept, and then I woke again. And all that time, the Lord kept watch over me. The Lord protected me. The Lord sustained me. And as a result of that, this is what he said in verse 6. I therefore will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves around me, uh, surround me all around. I will not be afraid. In fact, this is what I will do. I will go to sleep. Now, sometimes, in the midst of all our troubles, all we really need to do is to stop, to rest, get a good sleep, take a nap, maybe take a good walk, take a day off, relax, probably get a good book to read, because resting, stopping, relaxing, and sleeping, they all mean one thing. They mean trusting, just like what David did. It means recognizing that we don't run the world, that we are not in charge, that we don't hold all the solutions for all the world's problems. It means that we recognize that it is God who is in control. We are participants in God's story, but we are not in charge. He is the one in charge. So finally, it is only at this point, after an honest recognition of reality and after hearing the opinions of many, after reflecting on the truth about God and after recalling God's faithfulness in the past, it is only at this point that David makes a bold petition to God. 
Verse 7, this is what David said, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Now he has the confidence, the audacity to make a big ask because he knows that his God will never leave him. Because he knows who his God is. He knows what his God is capable of doing on his behalf. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. They are nothing to you. You bring them to shame. I would not allow them to bother me. I will not allow them to steal my peace and my joy because you are my defender, my shield, my savior, and my God. When we know who our God is, we would know as well how to confidently and boldly ask from him. And now lastly, David makes a final declaration. Verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. This is David's conclusion. This is David's declaration. This is the way he ends the song after going through verse 1 through 7. And he declares it for all of us out of his own experience. He's saying, he declares it out of his own experience and he's declaring it to us for us to know salvation belongs to the Lord. Nowhere else and in no one else. It's not in your efforts. It's not in your job. It's not in your career. It's not in your education. Not in your connections. Not in your heritage. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It serves also as a warning and a reminder. Don't waste time seeking anywhere else. Go straight to God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I pray that whatever challenges you might be facing, I pray that you would recognize it for what it is. Faith is not denying the facts. Faith is facing the facts with hope, and trust in God. I pray that no matter what the world around us is saying, that the voice of God remains the loudest in your hearts. I pray that we will always recall the goodness of God and be faithful and be thankful at all times. I pray that we would be confident and bold to bring to God any situation. And I pray that like David, we would all declare to the world Salvation belongs to the Lord. Let's all stand on our feet as we pray. Lord God, we thank you today. We declare, Lord God, salvation belongs to you. Salvation belongs to the Lord. May this be our declaration and our testimony that indeed salvation belongs to the Lord. Lord God, we pray that may this song, may this be the song of David, be also be the song of our lives. Every day when we wake up, we say salvation belongs to the Lord. When we lay down, we say salvation belongs to the Lord. When things are good, we say salvation belongs to the Lord. And when we face challenges, we would declare again salvation belongs to the Lord. Let's take this time to cast all our cares on Him who cares for us. Let us surrender all our worries all our anxieties, all our hopes and our dreams to God and say, indeed, Lord God, salvation belongs to you alone. I rest in you. 
I thank you, Lord God. And today we thank you for this time together, Lord God. We honor you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.